You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. I'm so excited, but I have to admit a little bit intimidated. Joy Wendling has a website called Created to Play and a podcast titled Playfully Faithful Parenting. Now, I think I am here asking for your help today, Joy, because I believe that play is so foundational in a child's life, but I realize it's also not my strong point. So in general, I'm actually not really sure I'm a very fun person. So I'm asking for your advice and asking you to help me take away my label from not a fun mom or even my fear of stepping into being a fun mom and turn it around for me. So if you would just jump in and and maybe tell me your found like who you are and your foundation for doing this playful parenting thing. Well, thank you so much for having me, Pam. I'm honored to be here and I just love sharing about play. And it is really my greatest privilege to get people excited and people who don't believe that they are playful to help them discover the playfulness in them. I grew up with a very playful dad and I did not understand like the benefit of that until I was older. I was a very serious kid and wanted to always do the right thing. And so I would hold myself back from playing often. And I did not grow up in a very strong Christian home. I grew up in a home that believed in Jesus to go to heaven when we died but he didn't really have an impact on our daily life. So when I got to college, I met some friends who were young life leaders and they introduced me to a daily relationship with Jesus. And I was like, this is amazing. Why has no one ever told me about this? And I felt so cheated, right? And so then I started going to Young Life Leader Meetings, which is a ministry, an outreach ministry for high school students. And in college towns, there are a lot of college leaders. And so I started going and they used play and humor to break down walls and to build relationships with these teenagers. And that was the beginning of using play and discipleship for me. And as I began to witness kids experiencing abundant life and the freedom and the joy that was experienced at Young Life camps and Young Life clubs and even just in deep conversation, but that had been built on this foundation of play. I was like, wow, there's really something here. They have got this figured out on how to build authentic relationship that then leads to this place to be able to go somewhere deep and meaningful and authentic. And then I got into children's ministry and again was like, oh, these kids need to play. 
And I got into early up childhood education and I started learning the science behind it and that how, like how it impacts learning. And I was like, well, if we can take play for relationship building that I learned in young life and we take play that I'm learning about from an educational standpoint and combine those two, imagine what that can do for our faith, for ourselves and for our kids. And that's kind of where my love of play and my own faith has developed always with kind of pushing me into these playful things when that's not my normal go-to personality. Hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting because I was always on the serious side and I think that carried out into my motherhood. I've always been much more on the serious side, very practical. You know, you do not play until your work is done. Um, And I kind of think you're going to flip that for me here. I hope so. A little bit. I, I definitely am still can be serious and very practical as a mom. And then I listen for, you know, that Holy Spirit nudge of saying, "Uh uh-oh, you're forgetting what you teach others. And I'm like, oh, yes, I know this. Let me, let me dig into this playful side again. So it is still something that I work towards, even though I know the value of it. Okay. So what does that look like in practicality? Like what is a day in Joy's home like, or a weekend day? What, what, okay, help me break this block around my brain because I'm um, trying to learn. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, I use play as something to stop power struggles. And so if a kid is not getting their shoes on, you know, we, turn it playful and say, okay, well, let's carry your shoes to the car and then we can be a cowboy or we can go into a rocket. And then, you know, once we're there, cowboys need boots and spacemen or astronauts need their protective shoes too. So we'll put them on out there. So I can use play with preventing a need for a meltdown. I also use it for myself. When I'm getting to a place where I'm kind of annoyed with my kids, which happens, especially in the morning, getting ready for the day, if I feel myself getting annoyed with my kids and just like, oh, I'm ready to be done with them, I put on a song and I think about Zephaniah 317 and talking about God delighting over us. And so I put on a song that my kids and I have fun too, and I know can just kind of break that mental place that I'm at, that fight or flight that I'm going to. And we play and we have a little dance party and I am able to delight in my kids again and just use that as a reminder that that's what I want my kids to know and to experience. Not that they're an annoyance to me, but that they bring me joy the way we all bring joy to God. And so using play like that. It can also just be a moment when I need a moment to reconnect with God because it's been a long day and I'm tired. Then I'll make a really good cup of tea and just sit with God. And just like, that is like a cup of play in a mug for me, you know, and I'll just sit with God and enjoy that. 
or if there's something our kids and I are doing where we're having fun and things are great, then I invite God into that play and just recognizing that it wasn't something that had to be planned. Play is voluntary and sometimes it's spontaneous, but just recognizing and inviting God to that, into that with gratitude and recognition that this is his joy that we get to share in our family. Okay. I'm actually feeling a little better because I do some of those like changing the scene or I see tensions rising and I, I do some things, but I guess I don't think of it as play. So maybe I just think it is a practical step to change the scene or to mix things up, or actually a really good one is just, it's a distraction technique. So I've thought of it as distraction to, um, to refocus, hit the reset button. I haven't thought of it as play. It's both. It's both. And I, yes, I love helping people see that play is not what they think it has to be. Playing with your kids doesn't have to be sitting down doing dolls or cars or um, board games. Play is just anything that brings us joy in our soul, mm-hmm. lets us feel the abundant life, the, the joy that God promises us, something that's voluntary and we do just for fun. But it's also, I also have to point out often that entertainment is not necessarily play. And just because it is fun, it isn't necessarily play. Um, Play is active and it's participatory. Otherwise, it's just entertainment, which is good and okay and can be a great distraction sometimes, but it's not going to have the same benefits that play would have. Hmm. I, that's a really good observation. I think I would agree with that, but before you tell me more, I should have asked you, how old are your children? So I have five girls. My oldest is nine. Then I have five-year-old twins, a four-year-old or almost four-year-old in two weeks. She'll be four and um, a two-year-old. Okay. I have twins also, Oh yay! but mine are 22. So they're in a different kind of play. And it's funny when you're talking about play, um, one of them actually is in the army and he works with bombs. So I guess your type of, you know, what relaxes you and what things you like to play with changes through the years too, right? Absolutely. And there are eight different play types according to, so there's a doctor who loves to study play and his name's Dr. Stuart Brown. And he has a book called play And uh, he describes eight different play types. And so one of them is the explorer. And so kind of figuring out how things work and kind of problem solving, researching, all of those could fall under kind of an explorer play type. Uh, Someone in the army may also be a kinesthete, someone who just loves to move their body. And so those are both different play types. Yeah. That's interesting because I have heard about, oh, now what's it called? The eight, um, well, just different learning styles, right? We've all got multiple intelligences. That's what I was thinking of the multiple intelligences. Yes. Yes. So those are, I, I mean, but I guess I would think about 
multiple intelligences and learning styles as separate than play and play styles. But I, you're telling me that's more integrated than I thought. I think so. I've not done a ton of research yet into the multiple intelligences. Someone actually just mentioned that to me this week, and I've got it on my list of things to look into. But I do think that God created us all differently and different things spark joy in us. And for me, when I tried to implement like a daily Bible reading into my life as an adult, it was really hard for a long time to be consistent with that. But when I started doing it from the angle of my play personality, which one of them is explore and doing some more research with it, but in a bite-sized way, I have been consistent every day and it's been a joy and a blessing and easy to do. And I feel like I'm learning more about, you know, not just about God, but I'm learning to trust him more and, you know, be in his word more. And uh, it's just been crazy to me how simple it's been for something I struggled with so many years to be consistent in. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, if I do it this way, it's Mm. easy. And it brings me, you know, life. I think that really breaks down some mental boundaries that we have towards like, what do we think time with God has to look like? How, what do we think interacting with our children has to look like or teaching them about God? That That's a really beautiful uh, picture and defining that that we can work through to really step into who God created each one of us to be and then give that back to him. Yes. Absolutely. I have found so much freedom when I was able to put aside the expectations that others were placing on me by telling me what a quiet time was supposed to look like, because it wasn't fun. It wasn't a joy for me and it was draining. And then when I was like, you know what, God, you didn't create me to enjoy doing this activity. And so this is not what I'm going to do anymore. God wants 24 hours of my day, not just 30 minutes looking like a specific formula. And so when I was able to do that and like release myself from this is what it has to look like. And this is what time it has to be. And I was able to just play with God. I was able to just grow in that and experience him more fully and easier. And like, I mean, there was the access to the Holy Spirit was just like a floodgate opened. It was just like, he's just here. And I just, you know, get to experience abundant life and that joy that he wants for us because I'm not trying to do it how this person was created or how this person thinks I should, but really by listening to God and saying, This is how I created you and how I want to relate with you and live your life together. Isn't it interesting how each one of our even journey of faith is is being built upon a little bit by a little bit and through our lifetime, 
um, even recognizing that, wow, that's, that's really cool. I have to ask or assume here, are you one of those people who likes the adult coloring books and the journaling Bibles where you get to doodle? I do like it in the Bible. I do like the journaling Bible. I honestly don't like coloring books for adults. It's very stressful for me because I want to get it right. But I do like journaling in my Bible, but I prefer kind of more freedom. And so I do my own thing, not coloring the the picture one so much. Right. Yeah. I've tried those adult coloring books and they stress me out. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. I sit here and I think, oh, that probably was better for me to not even start that. Yes. (laughs) But for other people, it may totally be play. And, you know, I've heard some people tell me like, that is a really freeing time for them. I'm like, God created us differently. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like personality wise, talking to God even and asking him to show you ways to be connected with him, show, you know, some people I know when they, when they go on walks and hikes, just being outdoors they they feel so close to God and can talk to him more freely. It, it is, but how do we, how in the world, why would we um, pigeonhole somebody, I guess is the term maybe into, to only doing it one way or seeing it one way? Absolutely. Okay. So here's another question I have for you. What about making chores play? Is that an okay thing? Because I also turn all my chores kind of into play. Like I can tell you even this. So in my early parenting years, um, as I was trying to always think, you always have to be a couple steps ahead, right? I've always got to think of something to mix it up because otherwise chores are just chores. And so I would do things like I'd make a bingo card and I'd like walk around the house and I'd see all the things that were driving me nuts. And I would make bingo cards for my children. And then I would send them out to fill up their bingo card and whoever, you know, as they completed something, they crossed it off. And I did scavenger hunts and uh, I would, again, make that photocopy it or write it out. And I'd send everybody out on a scavenger hunt. And there'd be a few things like find a feather or, you know, find this or that, but then it would be like, straighten the bookshelf. (laughs) Or do you notice, do you notice a thing that's out of place here? Fix it and mark it off your list. And then another one I did, like I took index cards and on what the left side, I put the chore. And then on the right side, I put the reward for accomplishing that chore, like M&Ms or a quarter or, you know, whatever it was. And then I took that index card and cut them each with a different like design, a zigzag or a curve or whatever. And then I kept all the rewards in a basket and no one got to see those. I handed out the chores and I let them pick, you know, and the ones who really wanted to get a lot of prizes, they, you didn't know what the prize was going to be. So they were like getting through as many as they could so that they'd have a better chance at the prize box. And then after we were done, they'd line up the chore with the prize and they found it what they got. So I did use a lot of games, I guess, connecting with chores. That's okay, right? That's great. I will say that it is. That's playful. So that's playfulness as opposed to true play, which would be 
doing something voluntarily. Okay. Voluntary. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And true play is also doing something without a purpose. So we do it just for the love and the joy of that thing. But playfulness is also super powerful in parenting and in relationships. And so that is like amazing. And I'm going to take notes because I want to try some of those. I love the bingo card. I I have to think about this without purpose. I have a hard time with that. Trying to do anything without purpose. Yes. And I bet if you really thought about it, that there are things that you do or have done in your past that maybe you started them just because you love them and maybe they grow into a podcast or (laughs) whatever. And, but they don't start off with the purpose of making money or learning this or being better at that. It just starts out because, oh, that seems interesting. I want to try that. And then sometimes our play does become our work or does become something that we do with a little bit more purpose. But the original intent was, I just want to try it and let's see what happens. And so there are things, you know, sometimes celebrating, we don't have a purpose except to celebrate, right? Or a random fancy dessert some night is, could be play because there's no, no reason for it, but we just wanted to bless our family and experience joy in their eyes. And that wasn't a purpose of I'm going to do this and then make them do all these chores to earn the cake. You know, that would take the play out of that and give it a purpose. But if it's just, Hey, let's just be blessed today. Let me just like delight in my kids. That is to me, that's still in that purposelessness, but I totally understand. And I hear that a lot, but we I think we don't recognize sometimes, like I was saying, something as simple as a cup of tea or going for a walk just to get out of the house. You know, those little things can be play. So you're not saying that play happens accidentally though, right? We can purposefully set up a play time where we will go enjoy just for the sake of enjoying, right? It's going to take some work on mom's part sometimes to set up the scenario. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It can take preparation and intention, but it just can't. Like if we are doing a game for our kids to learn multiplication, then that is not true play for the kids because there's the purpose of them learning multiplication or whatever math facts that it is. But that is definitely playful and that will engage them better and that will have some benefits, but it's still a little bit different than the play that's going to like fill your soul and help you like more deeply encounter God. Well, Christmas is coming up and I think you just excluded flashcards in the Christmas stocking, didn't you? Probably. <laughs> I mean, some kids may love that, but yeah, I think that that's um yeah, it, it's one of those things and I do see 
even how I raise my older children who are adults now versus how I now do things with my younger, I think I'm a lot more of a playful mom now. And I think part of that, and I think this is an issue for a lot of moms, we feel the full weight and responsibility of motherhood. And when all our children are young, which yours are still pretty young, like looking at the logistics of everything that has to happen, um, sometimes playing just doesn't look very convenient. I totally understand. And for me, I am a bit of a perfectionist. And so when I started learning about the science of play and the benefits of play and like the necessity of play for our kids, then it moved up on the priority list for me, understanding that it does fill their power bucket. You know, we all want to feel like we have some control over something and kids so often are being told, go here, do this, do that, learn this, eat that, always being told what to do. And they don't have a lot of authority and control. And so when I learned that giving them opportunity for free play and especially free play with us as our parents, when we let them make the choices in the game, that that can then help me when I'm trying to get my kid out the door faster. It's like, oh, okay, that's a moves it up on the priority list. I came up with these four kind of time sensitive types of play and to make it more realistic and practical for parents. And so I call the first one is micro play and micro play is anything from 30 seconds to five minutes of play. And it could be telling a joke. If your kid's really into jokes, it could be a dance party. It could be a quick tickle fight or a special high five that you do with your kids, a secret handshake, um, you know, running playfully to the car or across the street, anything that is short and easy to do but that builds that connection and also kind of fills their, their little soul, you know, because play is the language of kids. So if we can do this micro play, something tiny, three to five times a day, like 30 seconds times five, that's less than three minutes, right? And we can do that in a day. And I was like, okay, so that's realistic. And then once a week, I can do um, Mesa play, which is next, which is something in the five minutes to maybe 30 minutes to two hours even, which is going to be a little bit more intentional, going to take a little bit more setup, but maybe it's going to the park or it's painting. The other day I made my kids um, sidewalk paint. I just threw some cornstarch and water and food coloring together and a muffin tin and gave them paintbrushes and let them decorate the driveway. And it took a little bit of cleanup and a little bit of prep, but they were so happy with something, you know, and it took 45 minutes total with playtime in there. Do I have to use glitter at that level or is that top level? No, I, I kind of stay away from glitter too. I do not love cleaning up glitter. So 
glitter is reserved for outside and very occasionally like birthdays. So glitter is not required. That's really good news. Really good news. Yes. And I am also not a Pinterest mom. I don't think that everything needs to be Pinterest worthy. It can just be, you know, grabbing the things that you've got and let's see what happens. Then there's macro play, which is somewhere from the two hours to maybe four hour range. And that could be, you know, a day, like part of a day trip or going to the beach or something like that. If you live near water and then finally is mega play and mega play is a vacation or a weekend away. And that really, we only need once a year or so with our family mega or macro play. We can do once every couple of months and still have the benefits of that. And uh, mesa play, try to get it in once a week and micro play, you know, just a couple of times a day. And so for me, when I was able to break it down, I was like, oh, that's really doable. I can, I can work 30 seconds of play in here, or we're sitting in the car at a red light, you know, let's put on a fun song or let's do silly voices together. And so it helped me to break it down to where I could be intentional with the time to fit it in because it is so hard and we have so many things we do have to do. If we attempt to do mega play, that's really waiting and putting all your eggs in one basket. And if you don't do the micro play, the mega play is going to be very awkward and just not comfortable. Maybe your children might even resist that. Uh, but what it, and and if we thought about averaging out time, and if you had this great big, like you said, vacation once a year, you put that time, compare that to all the little deposits that you can be doing through those other forms, it adds up. Absolutely. Um, there's a one of my favorite play quotes is by Plato. He says, you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. And so to me, like, I want to know my kids. I want to know who God created them to be. And if the easiest way for me is to play with them and let them speak their language with me, then that is also something that's worth my time and intention. I feel like a lot of moms um, maybe shy away from play also because it does bring out some heart attitudes that are not always very pretty, right? Um, and then, and I, I've gone through it this in certain phases of my life. I'm like, well, I'm not even going to do that because I know what it's going to lead to and I don't want to deal with the ugliness. So we're just going to skip it. What would you say to that? You've missed a great opportunity. One of the things that I've learned um, from the ministry's connected families is that misbehavior is a golden opportunity for showing unconditional love. And so if we just skip it because we know it's going to be hard or it's we're going to have to clean up or it's going to bring this out or they always fight when we play this game, we're missing opportunities to build relationship and skill and wisdom in those moments. 
Wow. That's, that's a really big paradigm shift in our mind. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier. And I can't remember now if it was before we hit record, um, or after, but, um, just seeing our children, not as an inconvenience, right? If we see our children as an inconvenience, then bad behavior is also an inconvenience. Whereas if we see it as an opportunity to build and form their lives and train them up and direct them in the way in which they should go, we need to embrace those opportunities. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when we think about who Jesus hung out with, it wasn't the easy people to hang out with. He came for, you know, the sick and the sinners and those who knew they were broken. And our kids need us also. They're not probably every day, anyhow, going to be the easiest people to be with. I know some days for me, it is easier for me to be with other adults, but I'm not getting sanded and uh, sanctified in the same way as I am when I'm with adults and when I'm with my kids, you know? And so it's a missed opportunity for me as well as for my kids. And it sometimes might be mom or dad who's the difficult one to be with in a game or play situation, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is so hard to play, especially like pretend games with our kids and hear them say, no, that's not right. You have to do it this way. Or no, they're not going to the mall. They're going to the soccer game. And for our kids to keep correcting us when we're just like, I'm just trying to play with you. And the kid keeps saying, no, that's not the way to do it. Then that can be really frustrating for us. And we're like, well, why am I even trying? But if we can say, oh, this is an opportunity for them to safely experience authority and control and have their power bucket filled, then we're pouring into them and we can guide them in how to better say those things to us while still giving them that opportunity to practice leadership. Very early on in parenting, someone told me that play is simply practice for adulting, adulthood. My mother-in-law had always a drawer in her kitchen with stuff that the children could play with right there in the kitchen. And at one point, my little guy at my house, I'm in the kitchen cooking, I'm doing all the things and he would get things out. And I was so frustrated with him because as I was doing things, he did not want to go play with the toys. He wanted to be under my feet, getting into my stuff, right? And then a friend said, he's just trying to be like you are. He just, he sees you playing with flour and measuring cups and water, and he wants to play too. And then it went back to what my mother-in-law had this drawer in her kitchen that was right at children's level with all things that looked like she used, but they were there for them. She didn't worry about having to wash them later on. She just tossed them back in the drawer because they stayed at her feet the whole time. And I was like, oh, yeah, my job in being mom is even setting up play situations that will prepare them for adulthood. And that gave me a little more patience 
as I did work in the kitchen when I finally smartened up and got an area that that resembled what I was doing and let my children play like that. Oh, that's so good. Yes. A lot of pretend play is children trying to figure out where their place in the world is and putting on different roles. And so having dress up clothes is so great for kids because they're like, oh, well, what would it be like to be a pilot? And they can pretend. And children's emotions, when they're pretending, they experience them in the same way as if they were truly experiencing that situation. So if a kid is pretending to be at, you know, on a boat and there's a shark coming, that child is experiencing real fear. Like they feel it in their souls, you know, like they're like, oh, I'm scared. And so we can offer them, you know, play opportunities where they're able to experience how good it feels to help someone or experience confidence in a well, a job well done and experience what does it look like to teach someone something and let them have those um, different roles and try on different roles that we need in our community in a safe place by using that, you know, pretend play. But it also brings a really beautiful opportunity for like Bible stories because they are experiencing those feelings for real. So we can help our kids to fully experience Bible stories by using that same thought when we read with our kids and helping them think, oh, when Jonah was in the stomach of this giant fish, what was he feeling? Let's pretend or let's hide under the sheet in the dark together. What does that feel like? And now are you ready to come to God and ask him to help you get out of this scary, yucky, smelly place? And opening up Bible stories by using these same playful ideas. You have convinced me to keep looking a little deeper and deeper at play and um, and taking a step back and looking at those different tiers of play, evaluating what we're doing in our home and in the day-to-day. So I thank you for that. This has been so enjoyable. And I want to make sure that everybody goes over and checks out your podcast because I have the feeling we have just gotten a drop in the bucket and you're going to be able to guide us into more play and give us more ideas and more information behind the science of it. So would you tell me where everybody can connect with you on all the socials and then the name of your podcast? Yes. So the podcast is Playfully Faithful Parenting. And it's on most of the platforms. And then Instagram is where I'm the most active. And that's at Created to Play. And I also do have a Facebook group called Discipling Kids with Purpose and Play. I'll put the links for all of those in the show notes. So they make sure they can just click and find you. And I just want to ask if you would close us out and send us out into our homes with some prayer. Absolutely. It'd be my honor. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and for sending Jesus so that we could see that in the flesh. 
Lord, I imagine that Jesus played with his disciples. And I see it in the ways that he did miracles for people just to bless them, just for the fun of it. And I see it in the way you created this earth. So many fruits and plants and animals just because, just to enjoy creating the beauty and the intricacies of all of these different uh, creatures, Lord. And so we thank you for modeling that. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless these women, that you would help them to see play as something that is purposeful and practical, and uh, but also just so fun, and that helps them to experience abundant life and your joy, as well as modeling that and creating an environment where their kids can experience that as well. And so, Lord, I thank you for the hard work that these moms are doing, that they want to grow. And we know that because they are listening to this podcast. Lord, I just thank you again that they love their children and they love their children with you as their guide, with you as their helper. And um, just ask that you just bless them and help them to experience play today. We pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Joy. And I look forward to popping over and listening to your show and then following you on those socials. I also am over there. So if anybody wants to connect with me, you'll find me at Tending Fields on Instagram and on Facebook. See you next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.